Hope, thank you for joining us for this podcast. Can you tell us what your relationship with HMAS Perth is and how this shipwreck is a part of your story? The ship HMAS Perth, the Battle of the Java Sea and its sinking, had a large and ongoing impact on my father and my family. Dad was a repatriated POW and after the war he was not the same man mentally, physically or emotionally. He arrived in Sydney a skinny, thin shadow of himself, missing his hair, most of his teeth and struggling with life in general. The sinking of the Perth, the years of prison camp, the physical and emotional and spiritual damaged cause symbolises the story of the Perth and the difficulties some crew experienced in living after the war. I often wondered what life may have been for my family without World War II and Dad's involvement. Mum, Dad, my two sisters, one daughter was born after the war and I would have a very different life. Dad's time at sea, the years spent in prison camp and the changes that brought to our family. Dad was at sea throughout the 30s and that was the life Mum knew with him, his coming and going, sailing to other countries, him missing Christmas and birthdays, having reunions, then World War II, years in prison camp and then their life after. The years Dad was away, I was only a little girl and my life consisted of Mum, my sister and waiting for Daddy to come home. My fourth birthday in 1946 was the first birthday I shared with my dad. Mum did have support from some friends and my grandma lived with us on and off and we were very fortunate to have loving neighbours who looked out for us. I remember when we had blackouts, Mum got us out of bed saying we were going to play duck under the table and we had neighbours who came and got us when the blackouts were on as they didn't like to think that we were on our own. My father, leading supply assistant James Walter Hadley, known as Jim, always known as Jim, was born 16th of January 1908 in Upper Lansdowne, New South Wales. He grew up in Foster, New South Wales, where his family had been early farming pioneers. He enlisted in the Royal Australian Navy in Sydney on the 12th of July 1926 for a 12-year period. After training at HMAS Cerebus, he was promoted from ordinary seaman to supply assistant on the 15th of June 1927. Arthur was posted to the cruiser HMAS Brisbane on the 28th of June 1928 and was then discharged free from the RAN on the 2nd of October 1929. His last posting was the shore base HMAS Penguin, Sydney. Before World War II, Dad worked on various merchant ships such as the TSS Nankin and travelled around the world to places such as Japan, the Philippines and New Guinea. He was also a talented photographer before and after the war and won competitions for his photographs. We have one photo he took while on the Perth of the four-inch gun mounts, which they weren't supposed to do. 3rd of September 1939, Arthur was mobilised for service and posted to HMAS Penguin and promoted to leaving supply assistant. 24th of October 1941, he was transferred to the light cruiser HMAS Perth. I was the second child for Arthur and Francis and born in Sydney, 21st of January 1942. 
Arthur was granted permission to visit Mum and I in hospital before shipping out on the Perth. My mother told me she named me Hope in the hope that her husband Arthur would return. Arthur served on HMAS Perth while escorting convoys in the Pacific, the Battle of the Java Sea and in the final battle in Sundra Strait. Dad was a PO war in Java and Thailand and returned to Australia in 1945. He was discharged from the Royal Australian Reserve on the 15th of January 1947. Hope, can I just clarify two things? Was your father's name Jim or Arthur? His name was Arthur James Walter Hadley, but everybody called him Jim. The only person that called him Arthur was my mum. His wife, okay. You were born in January 1942 and HMAS Perth went down in February 1942. Your father only met you very briefly before he set sail in early 1942 on HMAS Perth. What were the circumstances of this meeting at the hospital? I was born at 11.15pm on the 21st of January 1942. So mum and I were in hospital. Dad was on leave but he was recalled to the Perth. Dad went to the hospital at night to see us and was told by the nurse to come back in the regular visiting hours. Dad said to the nurse that was part of the problem. He'd been called to go to war and didn't know if he would be back again. Finally, the nurse let him in so he saw Mum and me, his new baby, before he left. Dad returned home in 1945 when I was almost four years old. Mum was just a young woman and it must have been such a strain. She went home from hospital alone to care for and provide for herself and two little girls. In the last letter Mum received from Dad, the 16th of February 1942, he wrote, I would give anything to be home with you and the children, but I suppose that every man must fight for his own and he can't expect someone else to do it for him and still be a man. Mum named me Hope in the hope that Dad would return to us from World War II. After the Perth sank in 1942, Mum's uncle sent her a telegram that said, True sympathy, don't despair, remember baby's name. Throughout my life, especially when I was young, I had to put up with a lot of name-calling at school, teasing and jokes because I had a funny name. And I recall crying at school because some of the girls used to tease me. At times I did resent my name, but that ceased to matter and now Hope is quite a fashionable name. So your father, Jim or, or Arthur, your father's role on the ship, he was a leading supply assistant. So what did this mean? Do you know what he did on the ship? Yes. My father worked in the supply branch of the Navy as a leading supply assistant on HMAS Perth. He was mobilised into the Royal Australian Navy Reserve after the outbreak of World War II. Service records, which mention him training with the RANR in 1934. He assisted in providing the ship with the supplies they required, such as food and uniforms. He mentioned in letters to Mum that it was a busy job, but he had his previous experience in the RAN, which helped him through. He received his reserve RNVR, Long Service and Good Behaviour Medals, in 1942. 
In December 1941, Dad wrote he was doing his day job in the victualling office, which gave him a shorter time to sleep, and he was averaging 21 hours in bed every four days. Dad left this position to go and work in the clothing store. As well as supplying the men, the store was open one day a week for sales, and he wrote people would be surprised that they made around £120 selling goods in that one day, which was a lot of money in those days. Mm, Sounds like they must have been very busy. Mm. In February 1942, Dad wrote to Mum, things are very uncertain. One minute we look like returning home and the next we are uncertain that we won't. None of us minds going into battle as we are realistic and it must be done. It is the uncertainty and chopping and changing that's so trying. Still, the main thing is to keep our loved ones safe and whatever it takes and whatever the risks we run or hardships we endure are worthwhile as long as we succeed in that. Um, your father was one of the older men on the ship, is that right? He was on his, in his 30s when the ship went down. Do you think this gave him more incentive for coming home because he already had a family back in Australia? Um, I've thought about that myself because mum and dad had been together since um, the early 1930s. So she was used to him coming and going and not having Christmas together and things like that. But I think for him he may have reached that time where he really wanted life to be different and that he got a house and, um, you know, he wanted the children and that uh, his life be more stable. So a, a hard thing to answer that yeah, one. Mm. Yeah. Okay, so your father survived the sinking of HMAS Perth, but that was just the beginning for him. What happened to him after the ship went down? In March 1942, Mum received the telegram from the Navy officially informing her that Dad was missing as a result of enemy action. And we still have that telegram, the original telegram. Dad lost his cousin and most of his friends on the Perth in when it was sunk. Mail addresses for Dad over that period were Late Perth, HMAS, Batavia, Java, NEI, 1942-43, War Prisoner Camp, MOULME, Burma, 1944, Number 3 Thai War Prisoners Camp, Niki, Thailand, Australian POW Reception Unit, Bangalore, India Command, late 1945. Liberated Prisoner of War, Care of the Army Base, Post Office, Melbourne, Australia. And we know this because my mother kept all these original letters, documents, newspaper cuttings in a huge book that we still have. Years later, Dad told me the explosions and fire on the ship had been dreadful and he'd been in the water for many, many hours but had managed to keep himself afloat. He became very tired and thought he couldn't keep going any longer. He then thought of leaving his wife Frances and his children who were waiting for him to come home and it spurred him on to try to stay alive and he somehow found the strength to keep his head up and keep going until he was picked up by the Japanese. He was interred in Java at the bicycle camp before being sent to Thailand to work on the Burma Railroad. The last camp he was located at 
was Number 3 Camp Thailand, where he was recovered by the Allies on the 13th of September 1945. I don't remember Dad telling us much about those years and I don't know if he had contact with any of the other survivors. Sometime after coming home, Dad told his brother that he only had about 10 years to live and after much ill health and problems with life and living, Dad died in 1956, 10 years after returning from war, a sick and changed man. Meeting Frank McGovern was special for me, as he said straight away that he'd known Dad. He remembered him and told me more about Dad's time in prison camp than I had ever known. I thought a lot about the trauma and losses Dad had been through, and I felt a great sadness for him about his life. Frank McGovern told me that he knew Dad quite well. He said straight up, of course I knew your father. I knew him quite well. And that he'd heard that Dad had died quite young. Dad had been older than a lot of the men at Changi. And Frank told me that sometimes the older men survived better as they had family they wanted to get home to, while the younger men often had better health and the strength required to survive. I think Frank may have been in his late teens, early 20s when he was in prison camp. Frank said Dad was a big man and that guards had nicknamed him Two Man because of his size and they always referred to him as Two Man. Frank told me Dad used to collect herbs and greens from around camp that the men could eat to help supplement their vitamins and the greens and that the men referred to them as Hadley's Horrible Herbs. My dad was a naturalist and was very interested in that sort of thing all his life. Frank also told me that dad was ill so often he was one of the men Frank didn't think would make it home. At one time, dad was put outside his hut to die, but a friend shared his own small supply of food with him and he recovered. Dad's AMF medical history card states that while in camp he had malaria 40 lapses of malaria, gastroenteritis, bacterial, dysentery and pellagra and his weight was around 180 pounds. My mum used to take us to Anzac Day marches to put a cross in the cathedral but Dad was not involved in any Anzac Day services, marches or Perth reunions. He had little to do with any Perth or POW mates as far as I know. I think he just didn't want to be reminded of his wartime experiences. So your father was one of 218 men who survived their experiences on Perth and then as a prisoner of war and eventually came back to Australia. When did he come home and how had he changed? Um, I think the date was the 19th of September 1945. We do have his original flight ticket from Brisbane to Sydney um, with his other things. In our house, we had a photo of Dad in his Navy uniform and every night I gave his photo a kiss and said, Good night, Daddy, come home soon. I knew Daddy wanted to come home but some bad men had him and they wouldn't let him come. The news that Dad was alive, lists of survivors, telegrams from government, family and friends, newspaper items were all kept by Mum and we still have the originals. Everyone was so excited and grateful that Dad had survived the sinking and the prison camps. He was flown to India first for a recovery period before coming home on the 16th of October, 1945. Someone came and put flags all along the front of our veranda 
and Mum, my sister and I went to meet Dad at Mascot Airport in a black car that had been provided for us. We waited and waited and Mum could not see Dad and thought he must not have been on the plane. She was going to go and ask somebody about him when eventually a yellow, bald, skin and bones person shuffled over to us and said he was Daddy. I only knew Dad through photos of him, but neither Mum or my sister recognised him either. And it must have been a very difficult reunion for both of them. I do remember being woken at night with Dad screaming and screaming and trying to get under the bed. He was home for a very short time before he went to a veterans hospital in Heidelberg, Victoria, for treatment. And that was another separation at a very bad time for both of them and my sister and I. Dad had treatment and wrote to my sister about some of the things they made him do in hospital to prove he was normal, like doing a maple dance, playing silly games. (laughs) Dad was in hospital and... While he was away, my mum had a breakdown. The stress of World War II, Dad's imprisonment, plus my sister having been ill in hospital for a year, it had all become too much for her and she was very, very ill for some time. Yeah. I remember when mum came home from hospital, couldn't even recognise her. She didn't look anything like herself whatsoever. And I wonder about it. Who looked after us? You know, um... I don't know um, what happened, who looked after us at that time. Wow. So you would have been four or five at this age or maybe a little bit older? I was four. You were four, okay. And during that time I'd been in hospital with isolation with scarlet fever. I kept getting pneumonia and getting sick with that. She's only in a 20 spell, you know, and I think it was just... It got to, and then when she saw Dad and couldn't even recognise him, it must have been dreadful for both of them. We've talked a lot in our other podcasts about the impact of what happened to HMAS Perth on the ship's company, all men. But I think the story that you're sharing with us here is giving us a real insight into the impact of World War Two on the women. The wives, the girlfriends, the children who were impacted and their stories are often not told. Well, well, that's it. This is part of, to me, the concealment of World War II, that there weren't people looking after those young women. You know, did they have enough money to buy food? Mum had to go to work part-time. She had rent to pay for the place we were living in and she had to deal with all of that. And one of the funny things that she did do that made me laugh was that she sent a telegram to Dad asking, need advice about your car? And in my mind, I thought, Mum, how crazy. Here he is trying to survive, get through the day, and you're asking him, give me advice about your car. She didn't know whether to sell it or not. (laughs) It's nice that you can laugh about that, and it is funny. But it must have been enormously difficult for your mother and other women who were responsible for the children, for the house, for the car, Mm. some of them not knowing if their husband was alive, Mm. was coming home. And then when they did come home, you know, the list of illnesses that your father suffered is, it's unbelievable that he survived. Yes, look, I agree with you about that. And I did think about my mother when I had children myself 
and all that excitement of going home with the baby with your husband and and she did all of that on her own and I thought you know that must have been terribly hard in her soul to do all of those things but she did them it's heartbreaking um and we've talked about how many of the men who returned to Australia were forever changed by their experiences during the war and the impact of these experiences were and remain very raw for their families and loved ones. So could you share with us your thoughts on the legacy of HMAS Perth and the stories that it both holds and conceals? Over the years I've thought about this a lot in my own thinking and trying to understand what happened with mum and dad because they had to separate. Then when I read all of their love letters all those years and all the things and I thought, how could have this all happened to them? And then I thought about the war and my mum as a young lady in her 20s, what she went through, not knowing for so long where he was and then with us and having to work and all sorts of things and I thought, oh, goodness, this is just dreadful. Um, but I think for him it must have been a nightmare and I think for my mother it was a nightmare and that anxiety and disappointment that this isn't what I had before. I, I think that's very complex um, emotions there. But I think they would just be one of many, many couples that went through agony, not that joyous, wonderful reunion and everything, but, you know, pain and grief and anger and anxiety because they'd both changed. But I don't think any of the men who are in any of those prison camps could have come home and been just the same person again. Now and then Dad would say something that he'd seen and how people were treated like animals, really. I don't know how you pack that away enough that you can just be who you were before. I don't think that would have been possible for them. You can go through terrible trauma and recover to a certain degree and I don't know why for dad he wasn't able to be that man again that he had the potential to be and that was very very sad I do think about my mum and all the women I think what was done to help them what was done to support them and I really don't know the women must have felt abandoned a lot of them but I just wonder if there could have been better care for women and for children. And I don't remember anyone ever coming and saying, are you people all right here? Is there anything you need? Or things like that. I don't remember. Maybe it happened and I just don't remember. And I think today, well, of course, there's many more agencies for things like that. Maybe it was just lack of experience at the time. I don't know. And for my mum, who was such a private lady, she was very much a lady, for her to have that massive breakdown and that it must have been dreadful for her because she'd always managed, mm. that must have been really, really very, very hard for her, that as well. I mean, I know the men, I can't even imagine some of the things, but I think the women in the families, they need support and encouragement and you know, hang in there, you, you'll make it. Well, their lives were forever changed by what happened to HMAS Perth as well. Okay, now let's talk about the objects that you have. You have some of the things that your father brought back from his time in Southeast Asia. Can you tell us about these objects that your father brought home with him? Well, I can. That's the one thing I remember Dad uh, having. He brought, had a little bathroom bag, really, and he had these little things in it 
I don't remember him showing them to us straight away and I was surprised actually that mum still had all of these things because I know, you know, it was very difficult for her, the failure of her marriage, but she kept them. So in that little bag, the most precious thing of all to me is a picture of mum and my sister and myself that she sent to dad and he actually stole some timber from the railway that they were building and he made a frame for it and he brought that home with him. He just said to me one time that it helped him stay alive and I thought that was really good. Um, Then we do have funny little things. We have Dad's black lap lap that people gave them to wear. We have his PO number, which was 3990, and that's carved into wood. So we've got three tags as well that have numbers on them. And then we have had his little brass navy button and a little red patch with gold stars on it um, that someone said might possibly a Japanese army signia, insignia, I don't know. And then we also have photos that Dad had taken and sent to Mum so that she had them in her photo album at the time. We, I've got envelopes from prison camp to mum, from mum to prison camp. So she sent letters to him. We drew him pictures and sent them off. And he brought those back with him, those few things. So um, the original Sydney newspapers, mum kept those, pasted them all in a book. Um, We've got the telegram saying, you know, it's with deep regret we inform you. Um, All of those things she kept because it helped her to feel attached to him in some way and closer. Mm. We've got a lovely carved wooden box. I've got that here and all these things are in that box. And I didn't look in it for years and years and years, but I just kept everything I could because and for me I've been trying to put together my life, how I am about some things, and just to try and figure out, you know, a little bit more about what mm. happened. Thank you for sharing all of those stories with us.